This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike, here. And today on the show, we're talking with Brian Murray, CEO and founder of NZ Health. We talk with Brian on everything from how he got started to where his team is planning on going in the future. And early on in the discussion, we talked about Brian's career prior to becoming an entrepreneur and how he ended up getting involved in medical physics. I studied to be a medical physicist, which a medical physicist is somebody that's responsible for the safe and quality delivery of radiation and medicine for imaging and treatment. I took a job out there to kind of get some exposure in another area and uh, study in the kind of radiology perspective uh, in a consulting group out in New Jersey. So it's interesting, especially with uh, younger people that, you know, have the pressure of going to college. I came from a sort of, you know, working class family and had to pay for college. So I was like, well, I want to go to college, but I want to get a degree in something I can get a job immediately. And at the time that was radiologic technology, which is I could be an x-ray tech uh, operating these x-ray machines. And it was in that program actually where I discovered medical physics, like, oh, this is pretty cool. Later on, we discuss some of the early challenges of building a new product. In particular, Brian's advice for any founders considering how to develop their first version of their product. Bringing those kind of technical founders, I know a lot of people bring a technical founder in, and I think that's a, probably a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I would always recommend and always have two developers because that's the one thing I had a single developer for a long time. I didn't really know development work. And it wasn't until years after when I did hire an outside company to come in and audit our, our programming and development work to see where are we? Are we at standard? Can we scale? And then I found out it was like, no, you got a disaster on your hands. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think initially is rule of thumb, either have that uh, outside company be, you know, a partner with your hired developer or your technical founder or bring two developers in that are okay with challenging each other and making sure you're doing it the right way so that you're built to scale and they understand what that, you know, vision is of the company. We wrap the show up discussing some of the biggest challenges Brian and his team have faced so far and the value of owning up to your mistakes with your customers. This company is a healthcare company, but they bonused their managers for how uh, compliant they were with the standards using that software. So, you know, these people's bonuses depended on it. But I just stood up and I just said, all right, you guys can throw the tomatoes, like whatever you want to do. But let me give you five minutes. Let me explain something to you. And I had a little slideshow and just five minutes later and they they all they invited me then to their dinner and they said, we were so ready to just let you have it. But as soon as you kind of let the guard down and just kind of said, hey, we screwed up, but we're going to fix it. Like, what are we going to say after that? We can yell at you all day, but there's nothing we can, you know, you're, you're still going to do the same thing. So that was a, a pretty good lesson. As usual, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you want to hear more just like it, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. We are back and uh, excited to be back in the booth again. Josh is here. So we got the full crew. Josh, what's going on? Not too much, dude. Gearing up for this winter storm. Do you have to do you have to drive somewhere because you came in from Dayton? Are you driving back there tonight? No, no, I just had a meeting over there, and but I'm flying out tomorrow. I'm going on a ski trip to Colorado tomorrow afternoon, so hoping you you know, might the just morning doesn't stick screw around us and up. Ski here on this front porch <laughs> out of the building the way it's true, sounds. true. So Josh is already trying to skip the intro. He knows it's awkward, so he just went right to <laughs> trying to bring our guest in before we did the introduction. But uh, we might as well introduce him at this point now. So today on the show, we're talking with Brian Murray. He's the CEO and founder of NZ Health. And it's a cloud-based platform that helps measure compliance and quality across multiple modalities and soon across the whole healthcare system, giving hospitals the power to provide better patient care. Brian is also a clinical assistant professor at The Ohio State University and spent time in the medical field before founding NZ Health. So we're here today to talk with Brian about why he founded NZ Health, his journey so far, 
whole lot more. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us here on a, a Tuesday evening. And like I said, maybe braving the elements. Hopefully we can get you out of here before things start to come down. But yeah. uh, uh, one of the first places we like to start, Brian, is just give a little background on yourself, kind of your story, how you got to where you are today. And we go as far back as, you know, have you always lived in Columbus? No, I, uh, I'm from Northern Ohio, uh, came down to Ohio State for my undergrad. And then after I completed that and, and worked, actually, I worked for the Ohio Department of Health for a little bit as an inspector and then moved to New Jersey. But then after three years in New Jersey, came back here to Columbus uh, just because it's where I met with my ex-wife and we just kind of liked the town. It's a great place to raise a family and, and did that here in Columbus. So love the town and been here ever since. And what took you to New Jersey? Uh, work, uh, do what I'm into, which uh, if at you, you mentioned my healthcare background. So I uh, studied to be a medical physicist, uh, which a medical physicist is somebody that's responsible for the safe and quality delivery of radiation in medicine for imaging and treatment. Hmm. Uh, so uh, I took a job out there to kind of get some exposure in another area and uh, study in the kind of radiology perspective. Uh, in a consulting group out in New Jersey. So interesting. So I'm curious, kind of what when you were in college and you were studying, you were kind of deciding the track you want to go down. What made you? What made you go to that? Yeah, that's that's funny. It's interesting, especially with uh, younger people that you know have the pressure of going to college. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I came from a sort of you know working class family and had to pay for college. So I was like, well, I want to go to college, but I want to get a degree in something I can get a job immediately. And at the time, that was radiologic technology, which is. I could be an x-ray tech uh, operating these x-ray machines. And it was in that program actually where I discovered medical physics. Like, oh, this mm -hmm. is pretty cool. Because I, I kind of, you know, I knew I wanted to do something more advanced, but I thought I'd be in the hospital administration. But then as soon as I saw the, you know, got exposed to medical physics, I got really interested in it and started diving down and doubled down on that and uh, got into medical physics from there. So what year, how, how old are you when you leave New Jersey? 97 is when I left. We got there in 94 and 97 is when I left. Okay. And what year did you finish up your education? Uh, 91, I graduated uh, from Ohio State undergrad. So still pretty fresh at undergrad by the time you end up making it to Columbus then. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, not like crazy distant off. So three years. Yep. And so as you're kind of progressing through this career, obviously at some point you get the idea to build your own company and, and what, so Talk us through the kind of like, when did you first start getting that? It's like, hey, I want to do something different. I want to build my own company. And what was the problem you saw that made you want to take that leap? Sure. Yeah. I'll step back a little bit. I started a company even uh, before that in uh, 2007. I had been doing consulting medical physics my entire career. And in uh, 2007, I was kind of done with it. And mm -hmm. I and I connected with a group of physicians that started a freestanding uh, cancer center up in Sandusky, Ohio. Uh, I was like, I'm going to not do consulting physics anymore. I'm just going to go there and help them run that cancer center for the on the radiation oncology side. I was kind of putting all the uh, staff together, putting all the pieces together for these medical oncologists to build a comprehensive cancer center. And then there was opportunity with some other physician groups to do some other kind of medical and treatment stuff. And they, all, I, I never forget, we we're sitting at sitting around a conference table and there's all these physicians like, hey, we need to do these uh, prostate seed implants for prostate cancer, but we can't buy the equipment. And then they all look at me and I'm just like, okay, I'll buy the equipment and I'll do that. And that's kind of what started that consulting group. So I started a company on my own there, technically, uh, grew that to about 25 physicists on staff. And we had a little over $5 million in revenue. Uh, I sold that that company because segueing into uh, right around that time uh, when I sold a couple of years before, 
I had this, what we were doing at that cancer center, that was when electronic medical records were just starting to kind of evolve into bigger than just an, a practice thing. They, they were at the time, the emergency room would have their own, surgery would have their own, everyone would have their own. And we did this comprehensive cancer center where uh, radiation oncology had their own EMR, uh, medical oncology had their own EMR and, and uh, a company called Varian kind of had one that put those together. And it gave me the idea, we're, we're doing all this, what we do as medical physicists, we do, we're responsible for and do a lot of quality control testing of the equipment that's delivering the radiation. And uh, having that experience of how valuable it was to have patient records electronic, I kept thinking, well, gosh, we should just have all of our quality control data electronic. And that's what uh, started my idea of uh, building a system that would help us manage all of that data in a cloud application uh, because I was going to different places. And ultimately, we had over 150 customers in three states. Mm -hmm. You know, and to manage all of that from a cloud-based solution is kind of where I got that idea and pushed me into and then decided to make it uh, commercial after that. So around 2015 is when that happened. Sort of jumped around a little bit there, mm -hmm. but that's when I started that. So you exit, you exit the one business, and what year is that again? Uh, that was 2016 is when we sold. I stayed around, though, uh, the, to be the CEO of that company, and then I was running the software. Uh, they actually purchased the software at the same time. I was just I was bootstrapping it, and you know it got a little bit too much, and I was kind of running both. And again, that was a pretty large consulting group, and you know just trying to see if this software thing would work. And the you know the problem we were trying to solve is even as physicists going to where these hospitals have documented all this on paper is a challenge for us. It takes time for us. We would charge them for that, but it would be easier for us to just manage that in a cloud system. Anything that they were doing, we could review in a cloud system. So that's why I decided to make it commercial. So yeah, around uh, 2015, we became commercial. 2016, I sold it, uh, sold both of them. And then this is, a, this is an interesting story. That got sold again to another company a few years later. And they were interested in the software, but mostly interested in the physics group. They're, they're, they, they're a conglomerate of uh, several physics groups in the East Coast. And uh, they kind of, after about seven or eight months, said, hey, listen, this software is not going anywhere. It's not our business. Give us a plan for what you're going to do with it. <laughs> so I just kind of told them, they gave me two weeks. I kind of came back to them and just said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy it back from you guys. How about that? And I'm going to buy it for a dollar. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, take it. So it's been been fun. Yeah. Uh, kind of a little scary at that point that I now I have a I had three staff. I had a payroll that I had to go back to managing and doing on my own, except I didn't have a company that I owned to help pay for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a little bit scary, a little scary. So I did a friends and family round to get us through a few months until we kind of got a plan and started getting some more of the revenue that we were getting at the time and then uh, set off on a plan to get some VC money. So. Walk me through that first iteration of the product, right? Are you do you have a lot of technical knowledge on the coding side and development of the platform, or were you reaching out to others to help develop that? How'd that work? Yeah, that was I have zero knowledge on on programming. Uh, just knew it was going to be a good solution. Our customers were talking about it. Our clients and the physics group were talking about it. So I was excited about it. So I hired a development consulting group where, hey, we'll build you this app. It's going to be great. And I uh, spent about a year with them developing the app. And, and, you know, partly I really wasn't sure where I wanted to go with it. So mm -hmm. wanted it to be, you know, we need it to be this everything and we need it to be completely configurable by the user and what we got was 
really a very difficult, very not user-friendly product and mm-hmm. kind of had to pivot and think, okay, well, now what do we do? So I actually found a developer, uh, actually a friend of mine that was helping me out a little bit that knew a little more than I did about programming and found a developer on Craigslist actually and talked to him about what we were doing. He said, yeah, I'll do it on the side for a little bit. He did it on the side, but then brought him on full time after that. And that, that seemed to help give us in the right direction. So I'm curious about something here, which is that, you know, a lot of our listeners, we've heard the a lot of folks that have gone that same route where first initial product, bringing in a development consultant group or external developers outsourcing their development early. And we've also heard a lot of people say, hey, it wasn't a great experience or we didn't get where we wanted to go. So I'm curious if you were talking to someone, hey, entrepreneur starting out today on a SaaS business, what would you say to them about considering outsourcing versus, you know, whatever they could do to hire internally? Like, and if you were going to outsource again, right, what would you do differently around this time? Yeah, and I have used uh, companies since. I think outsourcing is really good for project-based work. Mm-hmm. I think if you have this idea and you want to make this a product that you're going to sell, if it if it's an app that a few people are going to use and maybe you get it on the app store and maybe you sell it for a buck or whatever uh, on the app store, then I think that's probably okay if it's not super complicated. But if you have this vision, you're building a whole company around it, definitely not the way to do it. And then if you do go, then you then obviously it's the higher route. And there's, you know, bringing those kind of technical founders. I know a lot of people bring a technical founder in, and I think that's a, probably a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I would always recommend and um, we did some work with another company for Code Launch. I don't know if you guys heard of Code Launch. It's a kind of a competition of coders, but a startup competition. And uh, we participated in that. Our company was called Mastery Portfolio. Talk to them about, hey, always have two developers because that's the one thing. I had a single developer for a long time. I didn't really know development work. And it wasn't until years after when I did hire an outside company to come in and audit our, our programming and development work to see where are we? Are we at standard? Can we scale? And then I found out it was like, no, you got a disaster on your hands. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think initially is rule of thumb, either have that uh, outside company be, you know, a partner with your hired developer or your technical founder or bring two developers in that kind of even not that they've worked together before or anything like that, but certainly are okay with challenging each other and making sure you're doing it the right way so that you're built to scale and they understand what that, you know, vision is of the company. Hey everybody, Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, grows a highly adaptive workforce, and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. So I'm just going to do a quick recap for my own sanity. So you're, you're, do undergrad at Ohio State, you take off to New Jersey, you go through this medical physicist career, you end up going into consulting for a little while, then you create a consulting practice of your own, you grow it up to 25, 30 people, $5 million in revenue, you sell that off, you realize that there's a need for a software play inside of the day-to-day work of the consulting practice and practitioners, and that software is being used at that time when the company gets sold again. Had you started selling it at all to other organizations at that point, or are you only using it as an internal tool inside of your practice? 
Yeah, we became commercial with it very quickly, actually, when we mm-hmm. started using it as a group, uh, just as sort of beta stuff. We, we, we felt like, boy, we, we really should build it in the direction of having that day-to-day user at the hospitals that are doing that day-to-day QC that the medical physicist isn't there uh, doing, but it needs to oversee. So uh, we became commercial. In 2015, actually, Kettering Health Network was our first customer, which was also challenging. Just at that time, it was still like they were still on Internet Explorer 7. Mm-hmm. We were having like we were assuming everyone was on IE at least nine at the time and seven was getting phased out. So uh, hospital, I think hospital ITs at that time were just starting that transition of adopting and accepting cloud based solutions. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot to learn there for sure. And in a hospital environment, I can't help but imagine that it's even to a higher level, right? Whenever we talk, so at FMX, we we use our facilities management software, but whenever we talk with healthcare providers, healthcare systems, right? It's HIPAA compliance, how secure is your data, SOC 2, kind of yep. everything else going on. So was that was that a challenge kind of getting in the door early or because of your experience, did you kind of, hey, we're, we're locked down on that front? Yeah, I think we did pretty well with that only because we initially went right with Amazon Web Services, which was way better. I think as soon as we told a hospital IT department we weren't housing the data or mm-hmm. the servers, uh, they, they just kind of all, all the all the defenses went down and it's more of, well, all right, well, how do we make this cloud thing secure and send us a SOC 2 report, which Amazon Web Services does for you. And uh, so that helps uh, from a start, not, not managing that on our own. I think that's pretty much standard practice today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then roughly from a user count to the extent you are able or are comfortable sharing, when you buy that software back for a dollar, uh, about how how big can you give us some some numbers to understand like the size of what it is compared to how we've grown into where we're at today? Yeah, at the time, so just just backing up a little bit before that, uh, with the previous company that bought us, we negotiated a deal with a company that had a software that was similar specifically for a certain modality in radiology of MRI. Everyone's kind of familiar with MRI scans. Um, they're required to do this weekly QC. And the nice thing is every MRI scanner in the United States uses the same exact test object because it's dictated by the American College of Radiology. So it's an easy thing to automate. So this company had this software and they were a, a very large, uh, really imaging company. They were a $500 million worldwide company and this little software with 150000 in revenue. They were like, ah, th- we don't want this anymore. We're shutting it down. So that's we kind of acquired that under, under actually really good terms. It's sort of a royalty deal where the customer stayed on. Uh, we pay them over time. But that, that kind of got us the, reven- the bigger revenue. So we were, we were sitting at around one seventy. When I took it over, two hundred thousand dollars in revenue, so not a ton. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine, just a, a little, little nerve wracking when you have staff. You got to pay with, with not really that much money. But we, I knew we had some deals that were ready to close as well. So I just needed to get through those six months when we took it back over. Yeah. And what did that go to market strategy look like at starting out? Right. You mentioned you had some deals. Right. Did you have a sales team? Was it you? Were you the sales team? Like, how did how did you build from there? Yeah, I had a salesperson that was helping me that helped me in the radiation oncology space. Uh, but it was largely me, um, just just from my contacts in, in medical physics. I, I was pretty involved. I'm involved at the regulatory level here in Ohio and talk a lot in our professional uh, scene. So I was able to make some connections there. And then really, he was just helping me out by then following up because I just really, really didn't have time to keep on that file. Sales is really about following up, following up. And uh, I didn't have that time. So he was helping me with that. So primarily, I was the salesperson at the time. What was the most challenging single point along the way? Was there ever a point where you're like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like this is where, you know, things are falling, the wheels are falling off. How, and how did you kind of pivot and, and adjust when that did come up? 
There's a lot of those when you start, uh, but one comes to mind that is just absolutely horrendous. And that is when we brought these other customers in, you know, we had our software application, they had their software application, it was very antiquated, uh, but it worked. So we, we thought, hey, we got this, we're just gonna merge everybody in, we're gonna create this whole new thing, we're just gonna merge the technology in that we needed, which was the auto analysis of these MRI test objects. And that went, I should have known when it started to go longer than it was supposed to, but that that's development. Um, so our go live date, I'll never forget, it was my daughter's, my youngest daughter's birthday night, uh, September 30th, uh, what was that, 2018? And uh, we turned the switch to flip everybody over and my developer came in my office and I don't know if he was having a anxiety attack, a nervous breakdown, a heart attack or what, but he just wasn't making any sense. And I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? What's going on? And he's like, this isn't gonna work. It's not gonna work, we're failing. Uh, it was awful. And, but I, I was able to stay cool and calm. It was about three in the morning and I said, listen, I, you know, I work in radiation oncology. Every day I'd go into the clinic, I'm seeing a waiting room full of people that are literally fighting for their lives. Like nobody's dying here, it's gonna be okay. Go home, we'll figure it out. And uh, I sat there the rest of the night just hammering out emails to every single customer, uh, just saying, hey, we screwed this up. Uh, we're gonna roll you back. I'm going to have a, we'll have a plan. We'll fix it. And I spent the next two months actually traveling around the country, going to each customer, really the big ones and just saying, Hey, look, we screwed this up. We're going to make it better. Stick with us. Uh, and we'll fix it. And we did, it was tough. It took, mm -hmm. it took a while, but, uh, uh, those bigger customers that I went around, those are still with us today and been through a lot of it. So I think that meant a lot to them. I, one of them I famously went, it was like one of their annual meetings too. And they were, you could tell that the, the mood was not great because uh, they were using this every day. Like it was mm -hmm. their thing. And, and actually this company is a healthcare company, but they bonused their managers for how uh, compliant they were with the standards using that software. So, you know, these people's bonuses depended on it. But I just stood up and I just said, all right, you guys can throw the tomatoes, like whatever you want to do, but let me give me five minutes and let me explain something to you. And I had a little slideshow and just five minutes later and they they all, they invited me then to their dinner and they said, we were so ready to just let you have it. But as soon as you kind of let the guard down and just kind of said, hey, we screwed up, but we're going to fix it. Like, what are we going to say after that? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> we can yell at you all day, but there's nothing we can, you know, you're, you're still going to do the same thing. So that was a, a pretty good lesson. Yeah. Taking ownership for mistakes can... Uh Come full circle. Yeah, that was huge. And where do you where do you think it went wrong? Like maybe I missed that part. I, I didn't really understand how that uh, episode ended up unfolding. I think the developer just got in over his head. I, I think that uh, I think he he struggled a little bit with uh, he wanted to be this full stack developer, make X salary, make a part of the company, and didn't want to let anybody down. But he was in way over his head and wasn't honest and open about his mistakes. And I think he had a lot of mistakes in there that were just came to fruition when we went live. And so fast forward to today, like team size and goals for the future, how has everything evolved to where we're at right now? Yeah, so we we were successful in raising a seed series round for a little over 1.5 million last year. We were very happy, uh, led by Rev1 Ventures, which was a great organization here uh, mm -hmm. in Columbus, and uh, really built up the dev team because I knew we needed, you know, we still had a lot of, we, we recovered from a lot of those things, but still got a lot of tech debt that we needed to uh, resolve. Uh, so really built up the dev team, uh, brought a sales director in to help us with some marketing things that we needed to do that the investors wanted us to do. And then um, finish out the customer success that we, we added a couple or a, a single customer success person, you know, expecting the growth. 
last year has been a little challenging. I think we focused a lot on that and the sales cycle in healthcare because I, I, you know, I was doing the sales and really not doing a lot of the sales that we needed to really get the revenue growth. Mm -hmm. But we did, we did grow. So when, when we brought the VC money in, we were around four hundred fifty thousand in revenue. We increased about fifty percent, up to about almost six hundred thousand last year. But just really from increasing our current customers, which speaks to once they're in with this product, they want to stay in. We can even re raise prices, and they really didn't didn't blink an eye. They wanted it. They they use it. They like it. Uh, they didn't really blink an eye on the price. So we were able to increase pricing by about fifty five percent. But just didn't get any new sales just because that sales. We just didn't have that top of the funnel uh, built up, and that's something again lesson learned as a as a founder. You know, you got to understand all these kind of ways that the the business grows. And and how many organizations compared to the total addressable market? Like I'm I'm just trying to wrap my head around, you know, how big can this company really get, and how many potential organizations are there out there to use it? Yeah, there's uh, around 650 hospital systems. There's over 6,000 or so hospitals and about 4,000 uh, radiation oncology facilities. We specialize in radiology and radiation oncology. And what we're trying to do, now that we've done that, we've had some of our customers utilize the application outside of these areas. Mm -hmm. So uh, radiation oncology, we weren't really big in. Uh, that was one of our expansion things to, to prove that we can go out of radiology. That's our primary 95% of our customers are radiology. So building something out to get more sales in radiation oncology, we were doing that last year. We just released that uh, a month ago. So we're going to hopefully start seeing some of that growth in radiation oncology. But so that's multi-departmental, but what can happen out in the whole hospital? There's equipment utilized in the hospital everywhere uh, that goes through some sort of quality control test, either daily, weekly, or something like that. And in fact, that was my meeting today in Dayton, was meeting uh, with uh, some of the, the C-suite people at Kettering Health, who has been a customer of ours for a long time, to understand those requirements in other areas of the hospital. And sure enough, there's a lot of areas that are just like radiology that they're just still doing this on paper. And um, the VP that I talked to was all about, hey, yeah, if we, can, if we can make this electronic, this would make my life, my stress life go way down because I just feel like we're missing things all the mm -hmm. time with this uh, documentation on paper. So is it typically that's what you hear? You go in, is it like 50-50 paper versus some other system? Or there is there a lot of competitors out there, I guess, doing something similar? In radiology, we have one competitor that's like a you have to load software on the hospital network. Um, so they're a little bit antiquated, not really moving forward. In radiation oncology, there are several competitors. Um, they're selling the instruments and the test objects that we're doing and, and gearing it more towards physics versus more towards the day-to-day -day user. Mm -hmm. And the C-suite people I've talked to, Nationwide Children's Hospital, Kettering Health Network, uh, I, you know, about hospital expansion, it sounds like there really isn't anyone doing that anywhere else. A pharmacy seems to have a good handle on a lot of this, uh, very high tech there. So, mm -hmm. um, but it seems like other areas of the hospital still are lacking and still have, you know, they're writing stuff down on a piece of paper. So what do you see then as kind of the key initiatives for this year and, and you know, maybe the next three to five years? Where do, you, where do you want to go from here? This year is really focused on sales. I mean, we, we just really need to get these new sales to prove that this, this product is going to work, that we're going to meet our, our, our uh, market. Uh, at least, you know, we, we hope to get 20%. That's a, that's a big, mm -hmm. big uh, ask or goal. But in the radiology world, it's, I feel like we're in the prime time. People are starting to catch on that this is something that's needed. Um, the staffing shortage kind of drives that. There's a staffing shortage all over healthcare. And, you know, we're going in and selling them. You're minimizing your time that you have to do all this stuff that you had to do on paper or you had to 
manually do these tests. We can automate that for you. Uh, we keep building those automations. So for the next few years is building those automations in radiology, growing those sales, uh, getting into multi-department like radiation oncology, and then understanding those needs in those other areas of the hospital and start building. I really believe that whatever we've built already mm-hmm. can fit really nicely in these other areas. It's just a matter of adoption. So partnering with the hospital, doing some pilots in some of these hospitals in those departments, I think then three years down the road, we'll be, we'll be primed for doing a whole hospital solution. What challenges do you foresee? Like what, what, what keeps you up at night the most? And do you have any worries at the moment about the outlook for the future? Yeah, I think right now it's just the sales. I mean, I think, you know, I know we have this product. I know our customers love it. And it's just getting those sales uh, to document that, to show either investors, if you know, we go that route, which we're going to need to probably start the fundraising process again here very soon, mm-hmm. uh, just to show them that we can do this growth and there is actually a need and it's worth investing in. And then anything around like the AI realm with respect to this, these quality checks, like, do you guys have the ability to incorporate that technology in and are you already looking at those areas? Yeah, we actually were fortunate enough. We 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 got a really good graduate student from Ohio State uh, that's studying her uh, computer science, getting her master's degree in computer science, and really interested in AI. And we had her last year do some other things with this automation that we're doing, but that's not really AI. But now what we're we're having her do this year is look at these images that are coming in because they've changed that test object they talked about that everybody uses. They've changed that over the last few years. And there's three different ones. So we're just a baby steps trying like, all right, let's do something where if I send you a set of images, you can identify what that is. So you're learning off a standard set of images. A little bit machine learning, maybe some AI in between, but that's that's kind of what we're working on now. Again, to further automate and because you, you can do that where someone could set that up and select what which object they're using, but it'd be great if we could you could just send us images and we can then determine what that is and then do all the tests that are required for it. That's the direction we're heading. And what about your personal goals? Like, what do you what do you think about as you continue to scale the company? Right, are you focused on leading the company from that CEO position? Do you see yourself staying in that position a long time or do you see yourself as more of a founder like, hey, I, I like being in the business day to day and maybe not taking that step back? I guess I'm curious, like some founders, right, they want to be really in it all the time. Some founders get ready. They like to take that step back, delegate, delegate, delegate. How do you see yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and with some personnel changes that we've had recently, I've kind of had to dive back down into all the nitty gritty of the business, which I, I, I really I really like that part of it. Mm-hmm. But I, what it, really what I like is is the tech part of it. I mean, I'm a, I have a graduate degree in physics. I, I really like what we're doing from that perspective. I'd like to spend most of my time there. I think as the company grows, I think it'd really be beneficial for the company. I asked the investors when we first started, like, look, I'm a medical physicist. I'm not a CEO. I got... Mm-hmm. With the physics group, yeah, I was the founder and the CEO of that. But there's a bunch of professionals that were out doing our thing. And all we had to do is just, you know, perform at high quality. Our name got out there and that's why we got so big. But, uh, you know, it's a little different when you start a software as a service company and you have all these other other factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of want to focus on that technical stuff, but I don't mind being that leader either. Uh, and I'm starting starting to warm up to that role a little bit more now. Uh, so I think sort of a, a non-answer to, you know, I would probably go either way, but I really do like the technical stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, being, being part of that is, is, is probably something I, I like doing better. Makes complete sense. And, uh, unless Joshua, there's got any questions. No, I got no questions. I don't think. Then we're heading towards our last question of the show. So we got a couple left. Um, first one is a lot of our listeners out there, they're entrepreneurial minded. They like to hear about what's going on in Columbus, uh, or they might be entrepreneurs themselves. You have any advice for them? Yeah, what's really cool about Columbus is uh, 
I have some, you know, friends that are in the VC stuff, friends are in the, in the dev shop stuff. And there's such a great opportunity to get connected with them and, uh, you know, learn a lot from other people. I probably wasn't as good at that. I think mainly because of my experience with the physics group and I'm, mm -hmm. you know, doing this other thing now. And it, that wasn't really a tech startup. It was all new to me. And I think in hindsight, I, I wish I would have gone out and spent a lot more time networking, uh, getting to know people, regardless of what it is, the more people you talk to, the more you learn. Uh, and, and that's really exciting. And, I, and I've kind of been doing that in the last six months and kind of, go, you know, breaking out of my shell a little bit. I, I, I can, I can be okay with, around people, but also when it comes to the product, it's just like, I don't know, I demand perfection and I know it's not this perfect thing yet. So, mm -hmm. I, so I would hesitate to talk about it. And I, I think that was probably a mistake. You talk to everyone, everyone's been through the same thing. So yep. no, makes complete sense. Well, Brian, it's been great talking with you. Our last question of the show centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase for a show about entrepreneurs, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? Well, lots of ways. Uh, personally, uh, I, I love to do things like uh, going on the ski trip, like makes me uncomfortable to, you know, stare at that black diamond out in Colorado and say, all right, let's get, let's do it. Uh, to also, just as I talked about, I think, you know, living that uncomfortableness of talking to someone, going out and reaching out to them and, you know, introducing yourself and talking about your product to people. I think that to me is living uncomfortably. It'll ultimately uh, result in success. I, I do believe that. Fantastic. Well, Brian, thanks so much for joining us talking about NZ Health. It's been great talking. You'll learn more about you and NZ Health, the organization. Yeah, you guys too. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. And Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that interview, you want to hear more just like it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. We release every Monday and you'll hear more great interviews with folks from around Columbus who are doing incredible things. Thanks so much for your support. We'll talk to you next week.